This is Sports Saturday with T.J. Carpenter. This gorilla in the Cincinnati Zoo was shot and killed after a child crawled into his pen and the gorilla was like throwing him around the, you know, he's a gorilla. On Sports Radio 810. We'll get into that later. We need to get to something far more important than gorilla death. Why do Royals players keep running into one another? WHB. Welcome back to the show. You can check it out online, 810whb.com and on the 810 mobile app. Some DJ Shadow. Like it. Um, so sometimes I like to look at what's trending on Twitter uh, just because Saturday morning is kind of, it's not really social media time, I feel like. It's not really a time when a lot of people are on Twitter. Um, so I just I was looking at this list. It's the most random list of things. Number one trending topic on a Saturday morning right now in the United States is hashtag unexpected turn-ons. Chest hair that's painted with the red and gold, baby. Uh, Hashtag Saturday morning. That seems obvious. Hashtag AM joy. All right. Hashtag national bobblehead day. Figured that would be during baseball season. Bobbleheads. One of my unexpected turn-ons. Number five, hashtag SatChatWC. Don't know what that is. It sounds like a some One Direction thing. Number six is Media Day. They've started doing this thing for the national championship game where they treat it like the Super Bowl and they they put all these college football players in a you know in a room with these little stages and. I, when did they start doing that? I, I think it was like maybe three or four years ago they started doing that. I don't like it. It's not the same thing. It's not nearly as quirky. They, there's too much control. They control it, and they don't let the weirdness that comes out. You don't have Brazilian supermodel reporters coming in and uh, asking Tom Brady to marry them. It's a violation waiting to happen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they, they have to control it. So it's, it's very— An NCAA violation. Right. Well, yeah, any— there's a number of violations going on there. I just, it's too controlled, it's too sterile, and that's what makes Super Bowl Media Day fun, is that it's not sterile. It's it's very unsterile. It's very, a <laughs> lot of bacteria growing in that place. So it, I, I think that's what makes it fun. You can't do the same thing in college. You just can't. So they need to stop doing that. Uh, number seven, Trump a Russian. Trying to get his birth certificate or what? I don't know if that's a birther thing or if that's a, like, Trump-a-Russian, like the word Trump, not the name Trump. Jared Kushner, I don't know about that. I don't know what that's about. Number nine, Zora Neale Hurston. Don't know what that is. Ten, Obama denies the murder wave. Unexpected turn on. Uh, 11-3 in ICU. That's, uh, I'm guessing, about uh, Fort Lauderdale. Sutton United, uh, Max Orange, Burnett Nial, Icy Conditions. Uh, Brent Venables is 16th. Jay Guillermo, Blue Ivy, We Are Not the World. And 20, coming rounding out the top 20 here, Black Toe. Also, it brings us back to number one, Unexpected Turn-Ons. All right, let's go to the phone line. Scott, uh, do you understand our rules for callers? 
I do. All right. Okay, go ahead, Scott. Considering the beating the Chiefs got by the Steelers earlier this season, what uh, do you think the Chiefs will be favored at home next week against them? And what do you think the line would be? And I'll just listen off the air. All right, Scott, thanks for the call. Uh, that was very efficient. Breezing through, we are I like two this. for two, nice man. Nice job. That's impressive. I'm I'm all I'm very happy about this new system. This is good. I like it. Uh, okay, all I want right. More callers now. I want more yes, callers coming more. to do that. Bring in more callers. Um. All right. So what was the question? Chiefs are be one point favorite <laughs> right, at home no, against yeah, the Steelers. Yeah. Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will be favored against the Steelers at home by less than three. Um. I, I yeah, that's probably right. I think it's one and a half or two and a half. Usually, when they get below three, they're usually half point. There's a there's um they split them. So, I think that uh, I, I think that yeah, that's they will be favored, although under three, and I think that they win. Um, it's very hard to beat a team, especially uh, a team this it, be, with this much time in between the two games. It's very difficult to beat a team twice in one season, especially that way. And more so than anything else, I think you can look at that game and say that that was much more of a learning experience because it was so overt. Um, I think you sh- sometimes when the margins are narrow in losses, it's very easy to become obstinate and say we didn't do anything wrong, things just didn't go our way. When it's overt like that and you get your butt handed to you, I think that it's pretty obvious. that You can see glaring weaknesses that way. And I don't expect that they will allow Antonio Brown to just, just crush them over the top and then let Le'Veon Bell run for 170 yards like they did the last time. So, yes, I do think that they'll beat the Steelers. Um, but that's going to be a close game. I, I think that that's, man, that seems like a 31-29-28 kind of game, 31-28 kind of game. Um, and I think if the Chiefs, you know what's odd about this, this is what's so strange, is I don't know if I could feel more confident at this point based off of their track record this season. The Chiefs in the two-minute offense have done a very good job this season. So as many jokes as we like to make about Andy Reid's time management, I think that at Arrowhead Stadium, if they are behind and they need a touchdown and they've got two minutes to get one, I feel pretty good about their ability to get it against the Steelers. What's so strange about that feeling is that I have that confidence in them to beat the Steelers with good time management. And then the second that they go to New England, I lose that confidence. I think that they're going to trip all over themselves in Foxborough. But at Arrowhead, against a good Steelers team in a close game, and they need to score a touchdown late in that game, I think their time management will be flawless. They go to New England, and they're going to fall apart. Why do I feel that way? Because you've seen it before. Yeah. But I don't like that confirmation bias where I, I just because I've seen it before, this is a different team. I, I think I feel like they deserve at least some level of respect based off of their track record, most recent track record of success when it comes to scoring late in games. It's also a different Patriots team. I mean, and now I'm looking at the other side of the ball mostly, but that offense is so different. All of the running backs seem like the same guy. All the receivers seem like the same guy. No, they don't the have, running backs are not the same. They're, they're, the same, they're, very, they're different types of guys, but they're all... They're all just they're cogs on the larger machine, and because their playmaker, their one actual offensive playmaker other than Tom Brady, is not on the is on IR now. I disagree with that though. Legarrette Blunt is different than the other running. He leads the NFL in touchdown rushing touchdowns. 
I'm gonna go look at how many like yards or carries or anything he has. They, I've liked well, he's for big, years. and then their other guy whose name escapes me at this point. Um, he's smaller and he's much more of a scat back, and I kind of like I, I like the one-two punch they have there with him. What are you looking at, Josh? I'm I'm just pulling up the the Patriots depth chart right now and their stats because I, I agree that I like Garrett Blunt more Is than like your Harris? average running back. Brandon Bolden, no, uh, then it's not on this one. Um, I like Garrett Blunt as a running back, but I'm not afraid of him at all. And also, I don't really, think, I don't know. You're and not if, afraid of the guy who leads the league in rushing touchdowns. If they get in the red zone, then that's a place where the Chiefs will be more challenged. The Chiefs' defense has been so good in the red zone. That's the best time for another team to have their strength. Brady and Blunt in the red zone are going to be, like, ruthless. Yes. But yes, they are. LeGarrette Blunt also has over 1,000 rushing yards, which is more than I would have expected. But I'm not concerned about the Chiefs getting run on, even though they've had gaps in their run game. Big and ones, very if they, large. If they can like pressure Michael Strahan's middle teeth gap, that's just unkind. If they can pressure Tom Brady, I think, and then that's a huge if because we're saying, but the, but the Chiefs, the SB Nation had an article they put out, like You're the not biggest finishing like, sentence. I know, I'm jumping around. I'm so, I'm so upset. I'm and I'm lying to myself. Um, SB Nation <laughs> had an article that said like, here's like a fatal flaw for each team, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And I think I would agree right now with what they said about the Chiefs. That their biggest problem these last several weeks has been their pass rush. Justin Houston has been either inactive or ineffective since the Broncos game, yeah. and D. Ford has not been good from the other side. And even when he's been moved back when in Houston's absence, Ford and Tomba have not gotten it done. Well, D. Ford's dealing with a, a groin, and he issue. had his hamstring injury back a few weeks ago, or and, and since then he hasn't been good either. The the fatal flaw, though, if you will, goes away if three weeks of rest, four weeks of three weeks of rest for Justin Houston, make him feel better. Mm-hmm. If that if that brings down the swelling in his knee, if he's explosive again as he was in that Broncos game, then those weaknesses go back to being a strength, at least not a liability. Yeah. So we're right now we're just saying, do we believe in Justin Houston's knee? And right now for the last year, that's been a bad bet. Yep, that's not where you want your faith to lie. No. Nope. Um I remember thinking back to last year's playoff game against New England and thinking the most important thing they have to do is get pressure on Tom Brady. And I I kind of went through the scenarios in my mind. And if you remember, Josh, I was hammering Don Tari Poe in the middle. You got to get interior pass rush pressure because the ends are not going to get there fast enough. And I was right. The ends did not get there fast enough. Um, but... You know, Tom Bahali talked about the solution after the game as being our adjustment in the second half, which there it was improved because the wide receivers were not as open, uh, was that they were jamming the receivers at the line, and that gave the r- rush more time to get there, and they were a little bit more effective, even though they barely touched him the whole game. Um, but it was a little; their defense was a little bit more effective that way. I would hope that they either find a way to get interior pass rush pressure. Or they figure out a way to make sure that they they don't let those tiny little white wide receivers run slant routes on them all day. Funny you should mention interior pass rush because the Chiefs happen to have the best interior pass rusher in the NFL since week eight. His name is Chris Jones. Yeah, you talk to him a lot. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I, that doesn't not matter. I think mean, like, that that is important. Yeah, it is because those edges those edges are impossible to get from the edge to Tom Brady, especially if we think that Ford and Houston are going to continue to not be right or not be very good. Poe has not gotten pressure this year. He's eaten up well, double, he's double teams he's all double year. Team. He's, yeah, he's yeah. not going to get pressure. He's going to demand coverage. I don't think Rakeem Nunez-Rochez is going to do anything consistently. He has a spark here there, whatever. But Chris Jones has been 
as of week 16, I don't, I haven't seen it since week 17. I'm guessing it didn't change. Since week eight, according to Pro Football Focus, had been the best interior pass rusher in all of football since mm-hmm. week eight. Yeah. No, he gets good pressure up the middle, and I think that as a rookie, they're going to figure out something to just take him out. Nobody else has yet. Since he's nobody gotten starter minutes, nobody else has yet. Nobody else is the Patriots. And if he does, and now the Patriots, their their tight end maybe is less in their passing game because it's not Gronkowski, but Bennett is not a slouch. I feel like we do this thing where we build the Patriots up as this unstoppable, incredible, amazing force. Yeah. And I have a hard time not doing that. And I'm trying to find a way to make myself sound unreasonable for doing that. And I can't think of a reason why I'm unreasonable. Well, the thing that you're doing now is sort of waving the hand over. Well, the Patriots will find a way to stop they Chris will. Jones and Dontari Poe and whoever else is playing defensive line. And they'll find a way to stop Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin. Or Andy Reid will find a way to stop that motion. Well, yeah, I'm more worried about Andy Reid stopping himself Me too. with the Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey thing. Because that's that's what I saw against the Chargers is not only did Alex Smith Alex Smith look good, Jeremy Macklin and Chris Conley had like five Conley, for that was his best game of the year. It was probably Macklin's best game of the year, too. And they both had, like, five for 50. Weren't big games, but they were there, and they were catching passes that were getting in their general, like, catch Outside radius. of the first drop from Conley in that game, every other reception he had in that game was on the edge, on the sideline, two feet inbounds, very good catch with the hands. Um, and if the yeah. Patriots do, and we're skipping the Steelers, which, again, I think is, a, like, the Steelers are the third best team in the AFC at worst. Right. Maybe the second best team, just having to play on the road. Probably the second best team in the AFC. But we're skipping that because that's just going to either happen or not. Yeah, the Patriots game is where we're all going to lose sleep. I guess, or at least I'm going to lose sleep. I'm not. I, I do. I, th- I favor the Chiefs against the Steelers at this point, right. and so I think that those matchups are fairly obvious. Understanding that we shouldn't skip that, but are going to yes. because they're matchup. The the Chiefs. What we saw on Sunday is we saw them be able to say we're not getting the ball to Tyree Kill very successfully. Travis Kelsey, I think, was one for eight and didn't play yeah, the first yeah, quarter. But that had other other things. things. Yeah. Um. But without using Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, then Macklin and Conley step up. Smith gets the ball to them, and the offense continues. The offense finally has like four functional weapons, not counting the backs. That's why the offensive performance was so hopeful to me, is because you've got multiple arms now. You can use that to beat the Steelers, to to score on the Patriots, not to beat the Patriots. You can use it to score on the Patriots. The secondary has been really good. I know it's going against Tom Brady. It's very different. I don't expect them to only give up 10 points like they did it against the Broncos. But, but I think that recipe is there. Maybe it's a 4 out of 10 times, 3 out of 10 times scenario. But I can, I can see it. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the Dolphins playing Pittsburgh this week. No. no they're, they're not and that's hopeless. And that's not a win either. Right, they're, they're not hopeless. I, I said this last night. The Chiefs are not in a situation like Dolphins fans are where – I was listening to local Miami radio earlier this week, and they are just, they're hoping that Ben Roethlisberger suffers some sort of catastrophic injury, and that since it gets dark earlier in the winter, that they've got a shot. Because Jay Ajayi is, is and a the, good the, running back. Really. The, the cold weather is going to help the Miami Dolphins <laughs> right. yeah, that's in Pittsburgh. Yes. That's where they're at. There's they're somewhere between, they're somewhere between, we're a terminally ill patient, so why not live for today? And maybe we should trust our doctor. Our doctor is Matt Moore. Like, they're somewhere between that. that, That's where they're reckoning themselves. So the Chiefs are not there. The Chiefs are going to be competitive and probably beat the Steelers. The Chiefs are going to be competitive and probably lose to the Patriots. Um, But they're going to have a shot. 
At no point last year did I think, even though it was a one-score game, that they had any chance of beating the Patriots. But you do agree with me, though, they would totally beat the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. I do, yes. This is Sports Saturday with T.J. Carpenter. Ned or alive, better off Ned, the walking Ned. Because he sounds yeah. like a zombie in the postgame. I like that. Thank you, me too. On Sports Radio 810. We, we, we evaluate daily. All right. We just know that in the past we're going to have an outstanding reliever. If we keep him in rotation, he's going to be very solid for us. WHB. Welcome back to the show. You can check it out online, 810whb.com, and on the 810 mobile app. We have a lot to get to here in this final hour of the show, and we're, we've got 40 minutes left. Uh, can we go past noon? Do we got stuff planned? I got stuff planned, TJ. I guess I can't really call an audible. No. On the schedule? Right. No. Uh, yeah. Did Charlie just try to convince you that we have availability he just went we go to espn but i gotta go i gotta go pick up some shoes <laughs> <laughs> got a sick deal on some expensive shoes for 20 bucks you gotta go to pay less i gotta go to oh no it's like a, like they're, they're like used shoes oh so it's, it's less than pay less. yeah man i'm dropping 20 bones on it it's like pay maybe uh <laughs> all right so we better get into it. Nate, we got to go. I got to go get my shoes, DJ. Nate Carnes was traded uh, for Gerard Dyson by the Kansas City Royals. Uh, that's what speed do. Runs to Seattle. Um, I Look, I think Gerard Dyson was great. I have very fond memories of him. I think he was a really fun player to cover. I have nothing but nice things to say about Gerard Dyson, and I wish him nothing but the best. Anything on his career based off of where he was drafted and the expectations of him coming into uh, the Royals organization, he should be very proud of the career that he's had if he retired tomorrow. So um, I have nothing but good things to say about it. He was really fun to cover. He said he was honest. He said what he felt, which is incredibly rare in 2016, 17. Um, and he's a, he was a huge part of their philosophy as an organization um, during their World Series runs. So... Yeah, kudos to Gerard Dyson on a great time in Kansas City as a Royal. And I hope that, you know, after his playing days are over or, or at some point he gets to come back to Kansas City and we have him on the show, I'd, I'd love I'd love to have him on because I think he's a really interesting person. Um, Nate Carnes is um, a injury-riddled strike thrower who has a bad ERA and very few innings pitched as a starter in the major leagues. And he costs less than Gerard Dyson. And um, he might be Wade Davis. He might be Chris Young. I'm guessing he'll be neither of those things. But you got to give credit to Dayton Moore because he's done a pretty good job of finding bargain bin talent and turning them into productive pitchers in this park. So you have to give him credit for that. He doesn't have to be Wade Davis or Chris Young. He just needs to be Nathan Kearns or whatever his name is. (laughs) Nathan Kearns. Nate Kearns. Nate Carnes. I don't know. I, I, I feel I feel one of two things. I feel like either A, they're trying to find more power arms to put in the bullpen, but they're going to give him a shot for three months in the starting rotation, and it's not going to work. Uh, but they're going to waste three months on him anyways. Um, but primarily, and I think that this is the cynic in a lot of people, I wasn't the first person to bring this up. I didn't even think about the money until I saw it on Twitter. And invariably, the first thing somebody mentioned was, um, it should read 
Royals save themselves $2 million. And this is what's so frustrating about this, is that I get feeling great about what's happened. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy it while it lasted. It's been fun, y'all. I get that. But it is so infuriating to me when franchises and when fans let franchises do this, where a franchise can just actively say, not say, but actively do the thing that the Royals are doing right now, which is attempting to cash in in every way conceivable on their World Series run and then minimize their spending in the roster. They're cutting payroll, increasing ticket prices, increasing ad revenue, or at least attempting to. They're pulling over. They're trying to pull over deals. Price Chopper uh, pull or Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee pulled out. Hy-Vee was like, too rich for our blood, man. You guys, you guys find somebody else for that rummy deal. Um, which, I mean, invariably probably means Walmart will take over that deal, given their connections there, their ties. But ultimately, I, I think that that's sad. And I think it's frustrating. It should be frustrating for fans. You appreciate the World Series. Like I, I'm, I'm not trying to in any way, shape, or form diminish the happiness that has already been experienced and will continue to be experienced through the memories of people who got to see the Royals win a World Series. That's awesome. But does is the price for that sucking for 30 years? Is that the price in Kansas City for one World Series or two World Series trips and one World Series win? Sucking for 30 years. Or maybe it's not 30 years this time. Maybe it's 10 but just a simple notion of, all right, well, you know what, 2017, not going to be very good. May as well save some money. I'm going to play devil's advocate on the side of the organization here, which is like my least favorite good position Lord. to take. But is there is there not at least a little logic to they had a lot of outfielders, not a lot of arms, and then the, saving $2 million they, was a they, nice— If they were going to do that, then start last season. Start doing that last year. They're doing it now, though. Right, they wasted 2016, and now they're they're just throwing in the towel on 2017, but not throwing. Are in they? The, is like is that? Are you are you planting your flag there? For who's sure? their starting pitcher? Who's their opening day starter? Danny Duffy. Okay, Danny Duffy. Yes, Danny Duffy had half. Cy Young a contender, good Danny season. Duffy. <laughs> I have <Ace> Ventura. <laughs> Okay, so I have some intimate knowledge of a couple of things when it comes to some players in that clubhouse. We can all agree Eric Hosmer's not going to be on the roster, right? He is right now. That's a matter. They need to trade him before the deadline. That's true. Yes. We're talking about this before training. spring training starts. Spring training starts, I think they start their box office opens today in surprise. So they're already selling tickets to spring training. And we're talking right now about Eric Hosmer being traded before the deadline. Day three, Ian Kennedy. (laughs) Who's their four starter? Jason Vargas. Oh, boy. Jason Vargas, reasonably speaking, I think Jason Vargas might be the second best pitcher they have on the staff. Oh, go to hell, TJ. (laughs) might be go straight to hell he might be don't come back i by the way i hope nothing but the best for 
Danny Duffy. I think that his story is one of the best stories in that locker room, in that clubhouse. They, I mean, he, he for, to come from where he's come from to now, being where he was at at the end of last season is enormous. But he's going to take the gamble because his agent would t- tell him, don't take a deal from the Royals. You stand to make $100 million if you're good this year. So I, I think he's going to gamble. But I don't, I don't know if the gamble is going to pay off for him. I think that there is still some fragility there. There's still some thin skin, and if things don't go well, he could find himself in a rough patch. I don't. I'm not hoping that that's going to happen. I, in fact, quite the opposite. I hope he is a Cy Young winner. And he does win the Cy Young, but I don't know that that's going to happen. And a lot of that might come down to how good his defense is. And by the way, their best center fielder just got traded. Paulo Orlando, we put him out there. You think Lorenzo Cain's going to have a bounce back here? I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the guys that they have. But you know you're overpaying for Alex Gordon. Salvador Perez's knees can only take so much. Are we we resetting the shot clock here? JT's inbounding again. All right. JT, you're on Sports Saturday. Go ahead. JT, where are you, buddy? That was was my fault. Okay. Go Hold ahead, on. JT. And the shot clock, and we're in. Can you guys hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so it's not about the royal spending habits. It's about human nature and the system and the fact that baseball still has a broken system. That's what we're dealing with. That's why the NFL system, where you market all 32 teams as one product, is the better system because it allows competitive balance. You have not so much a ceiling but a floor in the NFL as to, as to how much these teams have to spend, okay? You share enough of the revenue that they all have to do it that way. That works. The way baseball does it leads to this every time. It's cyclical. It's going to happen. All right. Okay. Thanks for the call, JT. We went a little over there. Uh, I, I almost I almost cut him off. I didn't want to. It was, he was really hard. good thing. Yeah, he was. That the where I the, agree. Where the shot clock's gonna really become really gonna come in handy is whenever it's someone repeating their point. Somebody who's yeah and just, burnt, yeah, like that's the right. rule. Yeah. And JT like rimmed out and then got the rebound and laid it back. I think in. JT might have been looking at a timer and his timer started <laughs> after yours did. Because <laughs> that was pretty on that was pretty on point. No, I agree I agree. The system is broken, the system is flawed. Um the way that you the way that you market it, the NFL's entity the the NFL's kinda like the Trinity. Does that, does that analogy make sense? Sorry, run that by me again. Charlie was talking. So the NFL is kind of like the Trinity. I'm listening. All right, so it's like the Trinity concept. This is not a theological. This is just sort of like people who, the way that you explain the Trinity is like it's three things in one, right? But it's simultaneously one thing and three things. The NFL is simultaneously 32 and also one. I, I talked to Sarah Fields, our law expert, who we, come, who we bring on um, periodically about this. And she said it's not it's not explicit in the law whether or not the NFL is one company or 32 individual companies and so is therefore hard to litigate. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how how a company can be one company but also 32. But I, I do know this. Major League Baseball, ba- Major League Baseball is 30, 30 companies definitively. Sports leagues are weird like that. So the NFL is the trionkadiakadonity. It's a 32. That's 32 and 1. Did you say that again? Nope. 
a thir- in geometry, a triacontagon is a 32-sided polygon. So obviously the triacontagonity would be 32 and 1. <laughs> one more time. It will in geometry, TJ. A triacontagon is a 32 or a 32-gon, which actually is a much gun. easier to say. <laughs> a 32-gon. That's a 32-sided polygon. In Greek, the prefix tri- triaconta means 30 and di means 2. The sum of any triontacontagon's interior angle angles is uh, 5,400 degrees. An older name is a triconta-go-dear-gon. Are you trying to say that correctly or trying to say that incorrectly? Because... Honestly, I don't know anymore. I feel like you should try to say it correctly, but I you were putting forth very minimal effort. The the problem is, is where the vowels meet. Triacontagon. I missed Tria- a, I missed a syllable there. Triacontagon. Triacontagon. Adagon. Maybe it's adagon. Triacontagon. That sounds better. Triacontagon. I think it's a triacontagon. Triacontagon. <laughs> We're Charlie. talking about the triad, the triacodon trinity. Just fort. <laughs> what I'm saying here is that JT is right. The NFL is is uh, a better system. So, um, yeah. Look, all right. I, you know, I just, we need to change subjects. Um, the Royals, the Royals are frustrating me and. We've got other things to talk about. We'll talk about Brent Musburger and Bobby Bowden next. This is Sports Saturday. They dislike you quite a bit. With T.J. Carpenter. I think if you ask them right now who they least like at the station, it is Josh. In a blowout. Like, it's, I don't even think it's close. No. Nah. On Sports Radio 810. Well, if, it, if it's any consolation, I'm probably right next to you. It's not a consolation. It's not. No. Nope. It makes it worse, actually, I think. WHB. Welcome back to the show. You can check it out online, 810whb.com, and on the 810 mobile app. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at TJCarpenterWHB. So earlier this, well, over the weekend, over New Year's, um, Brent Musburger got into some hot water for something he said about Joe Mixon. And what's interesting to me about this is a couple of things. Um, the context of Brent Musburger's comments was during the Sugar Bowl, during the play-by-play, um, and for those who aren't aware, you know, the play-by-play crew gets um, not unfettered access, but they get better access than normal media do the week of the game. They interview players. They talk to these players. They do features on them. Um, and Musburger has, in all likelihood, talked to Joe Mixon numerous times over the last few years in all the Oklahoma games he's covered. So um, he knows Joe Mixon better than you or I do, somebody who's – Never met Joe Mixon. We just know Joe Mixon based off of his play and reputation. Um, during the game, Joe Mixon's uh, Joe Mixon scores a touchdown, and in celebration, his teammates pretend to punch him in the face, seeming to mock the reason why he was initially suspended, all the turmoil he's kind of gone through. Um, Could have been. Seemed seemed to be an odd way to celebrate if it had nothing to do with that. During the game, additionally, Joe Mixon um, at one point and his teammate Baker Mayfield 
seemed to encourage uh, or entice the chants from the crowd when they heard Auburn fans chanting, he beats women during the game. And they egged them on by raising their hands and flapping their hands up in the air, up and down in the air, like to pump up the crowd in defiance. Um, and so in the context of this, Brent Musburger, who has talked to Joe Mixon, decides that he wants to offer up uh, some encouragement for Joe Mixon. That's Joe Mixon, number 25, just bending down there. Many of you are aware of the controversy surrounding this young man in recent weeks. But back in 2014, he punched a female student back in Norman. He was suspended the following month for the entire 14 season. Well, Plummer thought he might transfer. Well, the video was released in 2016. It was released by Mixon and his attorneys because they knew that the media had sued and it would eventually get out. It was troubling, very troubling to see. We've talked to the coaches, and uh, they all swear that the young man is, is, is doing fine. Uh, like I said, Oklahoma thought he might even transfer, but he sat out the suspension. And, folks, he is a... Uh, He's just one of the best, and let's hope, given a second chance by Bob Stoops and Oklahoma, let's hope that this young man makes the most of his chance and goes on to have a career in the National Football League. Okay, all right, a couple of things. First and foremost, lazy editing on our part. Uh, that's pulled off at ESPN mm -hmm. Radio. Our part. Uh, and I, I'm on my part. It's, it's lazy editing on my part. Uh, pulled off of ESPN Radio, and that's Dan Lebetard laughing in the background to the poorly timed soundtrack to uh, Joe Mixon's rap sheet as Brent Musburger is just reciting off all the charges and the timeline of his uh, embarrassment and national shame. Um, so this response uh, from Brent Musburger elicited... Anger from the internet because Musburger is basically saying, "Hey, you know, Joe Mixon's had a hard time because of all of this," and without ever mentioning um, the victim herself or um, or how hard it is for her to have you know had her skull fractured in three places because Joe Mixon punched her in the face. Um, now, look, a couple of things here. I think that proximity to someone, especially uh, outside the context of that video, um, is going to give you a probably a, a more endearing perception of a person. And we'll talk about Tyree Kill in a second. Um, but I, I would also say that I don't think that Brent Musburger is trying to um, be dismissive of what Joe Mixon did. I think he is just caught in a place where, as a 77-year-old man, he thinks about things a certain way, and though, though that thinking is antiquated. And um, he's articulating poorly his message of, I hope he learns from his mistakes. And if he had said, I hope he learns from his mistakes, and that was it, I think he would have been fine. I don't think that he would have had, he would have elicited the kind of reaction he did from the internet. Um, but the internet is going to get mad at people, and especially at old people who um, don't have the kind of sensitivity that I think people who are younger in your 20s in 2017 are and have. College crowds especially. I mean, man, 2016. 2016 was not kind to college crowds. It, the You wore people out in 2016 with the political correctness big time. 
So I think there's a lot of backlash towards it. But additionally, additionally speaking, um, I, I would say that th- they're not off board on on saying that that's insensitive because it is. It's just not intentionally insensitive. And I wish we could come to a middle ground here somewhere where Christine Brennan doesn't write an article for USA Today where she says that she thinks Brent Musburger needs to go because I like Brent Musburger. But I also understand the context of what of what he was saying when he said it and what his point was. And I'm going to give him some leeway because I get that he wasn't being malicious uh, or insensitive intentionally. But I, I think there's a middle ground where you can say, hey, well, maybe somebody needs to sit Brent Musburger down and talk to him about this stuff a little bit and kind of help him along. I'm much more of let's help Brent Musburger out here um, than I'm we you know, call for Brent Musburger's job. But that's what the Internet did. Uh, and then somebody told Brent Musburger about it, and then Brent Musburger chose to respond to said outcry. You know, Jess, apparently some people were very upset when I wished this young man well at the next level. Let me make something perfectly clear. What he did with that young lady was brutal, uncalled for. He's apologized. He was tearful. He got a second chance. He got a second chance from Bob Stoops. I happen to pull for people with second chances, okay? Let me make it absolutely clear. I hope he has a wonderful career and he teaches people with that brutal, violent video. Okay? Second down and nine. Uh, See see what? (laughs) I think Musburger made a couple of mistakes there. His first mistake was talking angrily into a hot microphone. His second mistake was I think he... He thought people did not. He thought people were mad because he didn't talk about how brutal and violent the video was, and so he chose to emphasize how brutal and violent the video was, as opposed to as as opposed to walking back the "I wish him well." I hope he has a great career. Comment because that's what made people mad, and he d- he didn't understand. He didn't understand what made people mad. So in that moment, knowing that the old guy doesn't understand what made you mad, don't you kind of feel like he doesn't understand? Like, if I get it. Ignorance is not an excuse. But this is this is not the—in that moment, in 30 seconds of, of ill-preparation, ill-prepped commentary, you think that that's, that's, a, uh, that that's an indictment of Brent Musburger? Really? He's 77. He sounded like an old guy. Didn't sound like a, a misogynist. I mean, old guys a lot of times are misogynists, but they're not misogynists because they hate women. They're just misogynists because they're old. They didn't, they weren't, mis- uh, Brent Musburger, I'm, I'm guessing Brent Musburger was thought of as a really classy gent back in the day. I don't know that for sure. Second down and nine. He was very angry. Second down and nine. Very, very angry at the 25-year-old producer in a headset who's telling him, hey, man, you might want to walk back that, that comment on Joe Mixon. Yeah, that was to him. That was to the intern that, like, ran up a little note card. It was like, it was <laughs> yeah, like hey, Twitter Brent, is angry. Twitter's mad. <laughs> say something about Mixon. Second down and nine. No, not that. Don't say that. I've say something call- better. I've been calling sugar bowls. Since before your daddy was born. Second down and nine. <laughs> Actually, my favorite part was right before the second down and nine where he's like, okay, 
Does that make you happy? All right. Second down and nine. I, I, I said how brutal, brutal and violent the video was. Okay? Okay. <laughs> He's so mad. See, that's why I, I, that's why I didn't want Ber- Vern Lundquist to retire. Because, like, old guys getting angry on national television, I find that amusing. I find Brent Musburger amusing. I don't want Brent Musburger to quit. He's unfettered. He's unfiltered. He'll tell you what he thinks about stuff. Okay, second down and nine. What he thinks won't always be politically correct or correct, but it'll be Brent. Brent. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I could not imagine, of all things, that to, to end Brent Musburger's career, this would be the thing. Because he said he has said so many things on the air. I can think of two at least attractive women who owe their notoriety to Brent Musburger noticing them being hot in the stands. <laughs> Jen Sturger got a career she got a job with the Jets because of Brent Musburger. AJ McCarron's wife what's her name? I can't remember her name. Something McCarron. She got to pull for people with second chances, okay? (laughs) That's my sneaky favorite underrated bit, I think. I happen to pull. Well, that's because Brent Musburger got a DUI in a parking lot after a game once. It's amazing. I didn't even know that. Years ago, yeah. Brent Musburger's had a, a couple of second chances. I'm for second chances, too. I just, uh, you know, look, for Joe Mixon, I don't think Joe Mixon, I mean, what he did was pretty bad. Although what he did, to be honest with you, a lot different than what Tyreek Hill did. And not as bad. But there was video. But there was video. There wasn't outrage like this whenever Mixon was originally suspended. Because we didn't see it. You know what happened? You know why? Joe Mixon punched that woman in the face. The exact same day, the NFL handed down a two-game suspension to Ray Rice. The exact same day. Wasn't that long ago. But Bob Stoops, I mean, if you want to, if you want to eviscerate somebody today, eviscerate Bob Stoops for not being more heavy-handed. I mean, Oklahoma State dismissed Tyreek Hill. They kicked him off the team. I mean, kudos to Oklahoma State for doing all that they could do in that moment. Um, Bob Stoops said, ah, well, let's, you know, let's, let's let him back on the team after a year. Let's suspend him, not kick him off. Different, uh, different circumstances. Different time, different feelings on those kinds of things back then. Way back in the day. Um, okay, so. Okay. <laughs> okay? I'm going to try to catch you every time you say okay and just cover it up with Brent Musburger saying it. The other thing that happened this week with old guys saying old guy things was Bobby Bowden on Mike and Mike. And this was totally different. I feel this was a totally different thing. This was anecdotal. Bobby Bowden's promoting a book. And here he is on Mike and Mike um, talking a little bit about his philosophies on men being men. 65 or 70% of my boys did not have a daddy at home. They're raised by mamas, them sweet old mamas, you know. 
thank God for them mamas mm -hmm. and, 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 or, or, or grandmama. M many times it was grandmama, you know, and, or big sister or aunt. But where's the man? A boy needs a male figure. And the girls do, too, you know, somebody to discipline them and make them be a man. You know, I used to kid about this. Uh, you know, uh, they grew up want to be like their mama. <laughs> yeah. they, want, they want to be a man like their mama. Mm -hmm. But that's the way they were raised. Right. <laughs> that's why they wear earrings. <laughs> <laughs> what was your... What was I'm your, kidding about that. No, I, I had I, children, I, too, I, you know. What was your big... I love Mike Golick being so awkward and uncomfortable with Bobby Bowden in that moment. Which, by the way, Bobby Bowden's telling a joke that he's told a hundred times to Seminole Nation in some ballroom in Tallahassee, and it kills every time. That's <laughs> What was your... <laughs> Brother, did you watch the video of that interview? Yeah. Greeny was not laughing. <laughs> he's like inching out of the Greeny was in a frame. different place. Yeah. Not a part of that moment. Different audience, though. Bobby Bowden could, uh, he could do stand-up at the Improv in Tallahassee. In Bristol, Connecticut, with a diverse audience who don't care that Bobby Bowden won a national title for Florida State. Little different. Little different context for that. Two things. I'll defend Bobby Bowden because he's being anecdotal, right? He's talking about his personal experience with players he coached, and guess what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He can't be because he's just talking about players he coached. He didn't talk about the reasons why. He wasn't trying to talk about the reasons why. And he was inferring not that just male role models, but that good, positive male figures are better than the absence of positive male figures. He's not just simply saying men are better. In fact, I would, I would argue that in that comment, he was arguing for women. For the strength of moms and grandmoms and sisters. Like if it weren't for them, where would these kids be? If it weren't for them, where would they be? How is that negative? How, how is that a negative? I don't think he was trying to be negative in any way, shape, or form. He tried to tell a joke that didn't land. And I will, I will once again, I will give Bobby Bowden credit. He, as, as an 87-year-old man is not going to walk back his stance. And he and he said so on Rosillo and Canell later on that day. I'm bad at my job, TJ. Yep. Yeah, you are. I have so many different cuts of, like, clarifying things and Musburger things. <sighs> and I, I honestly, I had it open already. If I would have just hit space, it would have been yep, fine. that would have been fine. I was doing math because we're almost out of time in this show. Okay. I'm not staying late. I got to pick up some shoes. Here's Bobby Bad. Oh, I was telling my favorite joke. And they took it. They 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 take it seriously, you know. They and and then they don't print everything. They don't say everything you said, you know. They they heard. They didn't hear me say thank God for these sweet mothers. You know, they didn't hear that. And they and they didn't hear me say I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, so hey, they, they don't get any apology from me. I guarantee you that. He sounds ancient. Ancient. I am defending old people today. As to, as, I w hope I'm old someday. I hope I'm old. I hope I sound old and frail one day. Bobby Bowden is not being mean or malicious. He's also not trying to make some sort of socioeconomic commentary on the reasons why minorities uh, 
oftentimes have to struggle with single parent households. He's just telling a story, telling a joke, and being really, really old. We don't have time to get into the other stuff. Yeah. This has been Sports Saturday. Later, y'all. Oh.